Good morning and welcome to why are digital and IT transformation so different and what are the challenges? My name is Natasha Bradley, Commercial Manager here at Inform, and I'm very happy to be joined by David Lynham, International Strategic Transformation Specialist. If you have any questions throughout the presentation, please use the Microsoft Teams function or we can unmute you at the end of the presentation. OK, over to you, David. Um, David Lynham, as it says, uh, I was uh, for 30 years uh, an army officer, uh, but for the last 20, I've been involved across public sector um, and private sector businesses in, in leadership roles and in virtually all of those, um, uh, been looking at transformation and where we want to go. Um, as I've said, um, I'm more used to speaking on the stage than I am in this particular mode. Uh, and it's often been said uh, that if I have my hands cut off, I won't be able to speak. So let's not hope that's going to happen today. Otherwise, it'd be a pretty dull affair. Um, we've got a very broad audience this morning of both public and private sector, uh, which is great. Um, bear with me. I'll try not to make this too business focused and, and try and be, be uh, not too biased around that view and try to make sure uh, that I uh, can think also about what's happening in the public sector, which is also uh, very important. I'm sure that many of you are at different stages of your transformation journey and your digital journey. Um, and even so, I hope that you'll get something from this morning and something to take away uh, as we go forward. It is though, I've been a little bit teasing with the title though, um, because I could have said digital transformation versus digital transformation, because Many will say, well, it's all about technology anyway, isn't it? And it's all digital and it's this digital thing. And digital has become a bit of a problem for business to an extent. Um, it's a technical term. Uh, business doesn't get used to it in some way. It's very broad. It's frankly, it's a bit tired at the moment. But and there's a pushback against digital or digital transformation in some ways. But what's absolutely clear is the needs remain. The needs remain is our ability to respond to customers, clients, the citizens and our rivals, if it comes to that, um, in an agile way and in a, in, in a speedier way than we have done in the past. And that requires us to rethink old business models and to become um, and to experiment more in what we do. And that's what I want to try and look at uh, as we go through today. So let's let's move on to the agenda. So I'm going to look at the, the three ages of digital. It's really just to get some of that terminology out of the way uh, and to move uh, and to get that the, those first bits done. Then look at some of what I would class as the fundamental differences between what I might class as an IT led uh, transformation rather than a business led transformation, digital transformation in this um, in this way. Um, and then this course is the same, same. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, hang on a minute, it's, it's all the same, isn't it? And of course, it is still about transformation. It is still about change. So it wouldn't be, it would be surprising if, if there weren't similarities between um, IT-led uh, transformation and digital business-led transformation. We're then going to look at some of those key elements of, of, of digital transformation, uh, what, what makes it stand out. Uh, and why it's changed, what, what's really changed across the landscape uh, that is now making digital transformation really uh, so so key to what everybody needs to be doing uh, in both public sector and the private sector. Part of that change is our customer, the citizen, our clients, 
um, even our business leaders. Um, and we just want to have a look. I just want to have a look at that profile because that drives some of um, what we're trying to do. Uh, and in many cases, um, it's the first warning that you get that you need to be doing digital transformation. So we'll have a look at that. And then the challenges. And oh boy, are there challenges in moving digital transformation? This is no easy gig. This is no easy way to go about business. So there are challenges and we need to be sure that we, we recognise those challenges before we set off. Uh, and then I just want to finish up really with um, something to just for you to take away. Um, my simple three P's and a C, um, which we'll get to at the end clearly, uh, and we'll see if we can keep that as a takeaway in our head. Uh, and then there'll be ample time for questions, and please do think of your questions, put them on the side. Um, Natasha will pull up on the questions, and then she'll choose the questions uh, as we as we go forward. Okay, so the three ages of digital. Um, the first of those was was digitization. I was involved in um, digitization of the battle space back in in I can happily say at the turn of the century, um, and that largely was around the upgrade from analog to digital. Um, and to be honest, I think in some ways analogs had a bit of a bit of a bum rap. Um, when I look at what we talk about these days of the Internet of Things, of of um, AI, etc. I look back uh, historically, I can I, I, I love my history uh, and I look to see where I think the first instantiation of this, which was really frankly the Battle of Britain. If you look at the Battle of Britain, uh, we had invented radar, uh, many others had, but we the difference was we linked radar um, with human uh, sensors uh, to form the Internet of Things around the UK with that connected to command and control systems and an AI, an intelligent system, which was based around human experience um, and that uh, tested to its utmost uh, day after day, which built that not so much machine learning, but people learning. Um, and so, as I've said, many of uh, the things we talk about today um, are not new. They all come from the same same basics of human change and the elements of human change. The next thing was digitalization, a phrase I hate and run the reasons why people talk more about IT transformation. Um, and that was really around, OK, taking this new technology uh, and how can we make it work, make our ways of working simpler, more efficient? And it was really about doing our same sort of business, but faster, more efficiently. And then finally, digital transformation really changing the way that we do business and in some cases creating new value new business than we have done before and that is one of the major changes we're looking at creating exponential change not just working better and faster but exponential change either in our cost base um, or in the, in the way we do business but really reshaping our business and our business models by taking advantage of this digital um, and this technology. So the bottom line is this is not necessarily when we get to this stage technology led. People talk about a technology led business, data led business. This is more about how the business is going to change. And this will be a theme that we'll take as we go forward. So what then are those fundamental differences? And you can argue about these. Um, you can argue that, well, 
we always did it this way, it's what we wanted to do. But for me, uh, key was largely IT transformation, digitalization, whatever you wanted to call it, was largely CIO and IT department led. And they looked for a business champion. Um, it was either the, the chief finance officer or it may be the chief executive, but probably one of the business leaders um, looking to try and get someone in the business to, to drive this forward. It was, in many cases, built around cost reduction in IT. Um, uh, people looked about insourcing and then from or in-house to outsourcing. Um, a lot of the technology from the first stage of digitalization, the turn of the century was getting old. Um, it was expensive to maintain. And with it, to an extent, whether you wanted to or not, new tools came, Microsoft and others Oracle produced more and more capability and looking at those to how we could do process improvements, how we can uh, drive those process improvements through. But frankly, it's largely or was largely about productivity, internal productivity and waste removal, uh, getting rid of waste in the business, uh, cutting down costs. Um, and that was the fundamental driver for IT transformation. And many still think that and call that digital transformation. But my perspective is that that is not what we or what I would call digital transformation. Digital transformation is a business and workforce led transformation. It should be called human transformation, but we've been doing that for the last six and a half million years. So it's a bit difficult to say we've just reinvented that. But it is, it's about the business and the workforce leading this transformation, not a business champion, but the business as a whole and taking that forward. It's about the human element being centre to everything that we do. Yes, data and technology, you've got to take technology, it's an enabler. And yes, use of things like AI and, and machine learning, people you know, talking about being a data led business. Well, like I said, I would argue against that um, and it's a business led transformation. You've got to think of your customer. and We'll come back to that. And then it's about new value creation. It's not about creating value from how you do business today uh, and just removing waste and by that means getting more value. Um, it's about this reimagining of strategy and operations using technology to unlock new value. That's the big difference. Unlocking new value not taking value from the business model that you already have uh, and take with it. So that for me is it was is what makes this so different from what we've seen before. Now, as I've said, people will say, hang on, but that's the same. Digital transformation is not just about technology. We've all been saying that even with IT transformation, we say, no, it's not just about technology. It's about the people, it's the process, it's a cultural change. Well, yes, we've all said that and we've all tried to do it and we've all found that that's not happened. We've had difficulty embedding that. We've had difficulty with our people taking it through. And, and frankly, it's been internalizing such that our customers have lost faith. And the difference here that we have to move to is that we have to move and put customer experience front and center. Now, let me be quite clear. Your customer can be internal and external. Your customer can be your board, your customer can be your local council, your, uh, your customer can be your national health service uh, board. 
it can be doctors, it can be patients, it can be whoever. You've got to think, though, about a very broad range of customers. You've got to segment your customers and make sure that what you're doing is the right solutions to the right problems and getting that customer experience front and center. And then it's also about that employee motivation. Now, again, we've all heard about you know, that man pushing the broom at, at, at NASA. And I often think that perhaps he had more irony and our American colleagues having some difficulty with irony when the president asked somebody pushing a broom, what are you here for? He looks up and says, frankly, what do you think I'm here for? I'm putting a man on the moon. Um, but whatever we think, this is about as much internal employee motivation. This is about automation such that we automate the pain points out, not just for our customers, but for our employees so that they can concentrate their efforts, concentrate their business on the customer and the customer experience. And this is really critical to successful digital transformation. Yes, you've got to have the processes and the people. You really have got a change of culture. I'll come to that. And you still need to have governance, perhaps even more so, even though you're moving faster. But it is those differences that makes up this digital transformation period we're going through. So where are we with digital transformation then? What is it? Well, as I've said, it's customer centric. This is the crucial element to it, both internal and external, as I've said. Um, and your external, your, your internal staff, as we've, we'll see in a moment, are as much to be serviced by this digital transformation as it is the external. It's got to be value driven. I'm a great believer in, in value proposition and value proposition uh, workshops. That's not a sale, that's just, just fact. And, and to give you an idea about value proposition or value driven, I, I just want to tell you a small anecdote about um, my, my local log merchant. Um, and, and you go, well, what the hell has that got to do with digital transformation? Well, my, my log merchant delivered a whole, in fact, it was a, it, it, it was a, a, a complete container of logs, um, a pallet of logs. And he put the pallet down and he smashed it open. The logs sort of fell on the ground. And, you know, we looked at that and thought about how we're going to do stacking. And he said to me, he said, you know, uh, I've, I've been thinking because I've been undercut recently by, by a lot of other people who have been, been selling uh, uh, cheaper than I can. I was wondering if you'd be interested in some different services. I said, well, OK, uh, chat to me. So he said, well, one of them is, 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 is a stacking service. He said, I, you know, we, we can produce these in, in smaller elements now rather than buying it in real big bulk. And we can do a stacking service um, for you. He said, or, or, alternatively, we could do uh, barbecue kits, uh, which are very specifically um, targeted to the kind of barbecue area, the big barbecue, small barbecue, whatever, or, or even wood burners um, or, or outdoor fires. And he said, and the big thing is, he said, and, and it wouldn't cost any more. And you could just order online and whatever you wanted to. This was about talking to the customer, understanding what the customer needs were, looking at what would provide value and then not saying, well, that's an extra charge, but looking at the issue to say, well, I will get more. I will beat my rivals. I will get I will get better so I can have more turnover. 
so I can afford to do this. As he said, I have to stack these pallets anyway, so I could stack them in a different way so I can get more value for my customer. So this is where within digital transformation, reimagining how you uh, deliver your business model, even new uh, offerings of business is absolutely key. And then acting fast. It has to be at the speed of, of, of relevance. Now, it's not necessarily those that invent things first. It's those that take them to market first. And you've got to be in a mindset of innovation at scale, innovation at scale so that you've got an innovation engine. Innovation is not just a one off thing and it's not necessarily technology driven. It can be business innovation, but you've got innovation happening at scale and you've got experimentation happening so that you're always looking at how you can use technology and experimenting with new technology to disrupt the business model, to change the business model. And that is key, getting to market quickly. We'll look at some of the challenges of that in a moment, but acting fast at the speed of relevance with, I said, the right solutions to the right problems, not just throwing technology up against the wall and seeing how it sticks. And then these last two call outs, which are important. As I've said, people talk about digital transformation as being data is our most valuable asset or we are data led. In my view, data is your most valuable commodity. And again, commodity has had, a, had, a, had bad press. Commodity delivery is something everybody says, oh, well, that's just a commodity and therefore it doesn't have a value. Well, of course it has a value because if that commodity is not delivered well, then it loses any value that it has. Now, you're not short of data. You've got more data than you can think about. You've got data about your customers. You've got data about your business. You've got finance data. You've got sales data. You've got marketing data. You've got data about your supply chain. You're not short of data. So it is a commodity, but it's the most valuable commodity you've got. Getting into that data, yes, applying tools like AI and machine learning, they will bring great benefit. But first of all, you've got to get that data and think about how you use that data better. And that makes people, people, your own people, your most valuable asset. And yes, I've heard it all before and you've heard it all before. Oh, yes, our people are our most valuable asset. Well, we really have to mean it this time. Our people are our most valuable asset. We are going to have to look at how we reskill them. As I've said, we will have to automate. We will clearly automate. In some of those early phases, we automated issues like um, putting data in front of call center staff so that it's easier and quicker for them to answer calls. But it was to cut costs. It was to push customers through. And we lost that customer experience that, every, that I've said is so vital and so important to everybody. We still want to automate out all of those pain points, as I said, for our people, but that's to free them up to use soft skills or to be involved in the skills of AI, experimentation, innovation, they being part of this transformation, thinking of new ways in which the business can change. And they know better than perhaps the leadership do, particularly in a big organization, as to just what makes this uh, the most valuable thing and the most valuable people that you've got. But be aware, like any change process, 
they will be worried. They will be really concerned about their jobs. Will they be able to reskill, etc.? We'll come back to that. So, so what's changed? What's what makes digital transformation so important now? People have been on a digital journey or an IT journey for a very long time. So, so what's what's changed? Well, the first element is is technology now is ubiquitous. It's a it's an almost for this audience, I'm sure it's a it, it's a it's a truism that I don't need to repeat. But whether it's cloud, uh, whether it's mobile computing, whether it's 5G, whether it's the power that's in your your handset uh, or your machine, it's it's changing rapidly. We've we've seen now space and the ability for for to to do space tourism, but the amount of assets going into space in order to make this ubiquitous technology everywhere and for everyone uh, to close that knowledge gap across various segments of our society to to make it cheaper and easier. But it is there and you can't stand back from it. You can't stand back uh, as a company and go, well, I've still got this uh, fabulous um, set of buildings and I've got this workplace and I've got shops and I've got everything else. I've, I've improved the technology behind it, uh, but I but I think the old business model still works. Technology is driving past you and, and through. Next then is what I call generational demography. The millennials, the, the, the Generation Z. In the workforce now, high percentage of our workforce have only ever lived in this uh, situation where technology uh, is ever evolving, is ubiquitous, it's always to hand for them. And that's what they expect. That's what your workforce expects. Your workforce expects now to have the same technology um, in the workplace as they have at home. For a long period, IT departments have said, well, people can't expect to have the same technology in workplaces they have at home. Well, they do and they must. And if you don't deliver it, they will go and work elsewhere where that is being delivered. But also you've got now customers who only are used to being ever on, ever connected uh, and doing their, they're going about their society and their daily lives in a very different way. And we'll, we'll look at that at that moment. But that demography is changing both internal and external. And then of course, we can't forget the pandemic. The pandemic has had a major impact on public sector and business, the ability for people who were required now to work from home, our workforce that was required to work from home, which means they have to have the devices and the capability. They can't just be in the office to sign pieces of paper or to, to go and see HR or to, to, to do the business. They've got to work in a, in a different way. You've got people who couldn't go out, who needed services at home. In fact, in many cases, the, the places that they went to, the shops or the, the local council offices or even their surgery was actually closed. They still needed to have those those services. And that meant that businesses have had to look at fundamentally changing their business models and using this technology. And that's what makes business change and makes digital transformation. And the new normal when we go back will be a hybrid there's no doubt about that but we will find that we've got to have to take and embrace 
this new way of doing business from the pandemic and things that we thought would take a long time home learning um home diagnosis um clicking uh, click and collect where it was only for a minority now or it, we, we all thought it would take a long time home working uh would take ever forever to to, to really catch on or would take take years for people to get into the cultural space. Now has taken basically 18 months. And businesses, public sector have to respond, otherwise they will become um, uh, irrelevant to both society and to the businesses and they will go under or they will not be efficient and effective um, in delivering public services. And one of the things the pandemic has given us is that Governments have spent a lot of money dealing with the pandemic. And when governments spend a lot of money on, a pa on one thing, the one thing you do know is they'll come looking for savings elsewhere in the public sector. And so exponential savings, new ways, bringing new services so quickly. The National Health Service has been so fantastic, at, but so have other areas been so fantastic. At. We can't stop that now and we mustn't stop that. So that brings me to our customer. What is our customer? Our customer's approach to doing business, purchasing. They don't have that brand loyalty anymore. They want to be easy to change supplier where, where, where there's a supplier involved. Uh, and if it is difficult to change, they'll, they'll just go anyway. They do base their, their, their activity on experience um, more than anything else. They often get their referrals through social media rather than anywhere else, um, and they work on social media. And the repeat order or rollover is not the first option. The first option is to look where else they might get a better experience, a better way of doing, doing business. And that's, as I've said, and that's just as much internal as it is external. They'll go and they'll get jobs elsewhere. And so you, you can see some of the um, indicators. If you're not getting repeat orders or rollovers, if your staff are leaving, if you're not getting you know, good customer feedback, then you know that you're probably needing to move on a digital transformation journey. And what they do want is easy experience. They want everything to be connected um, and those processes to include clicks to mortar. That is, they may well want to uh, look at something online order something online and then go into this into a shop or vice versa go into the shop to have a look at it and then order and they'll expect those processes to to be uh, absolutely seamless they want great customer service it is absolutely essential to them to get great customer service they want to be prepared and they will interact with ai with with bots but only if it adds value if it doesn't, they want to be able to go to somebody who is an empowered human being, somebody who can actually answer their questions, not that just takes their call and pushes them through and makes them wait for another 10 minutes or 20 minutes until somebody else in the system answers. Multi-tiered teams, multi-purpose teams uh, that can answer questions quickly, that gives them the easy experience. And that's what they, they look for. If they don't get it, they'll go elsewhere. Okay, so if that's what it is, why is everybody not doing it? Why is everybody not successful at it? Well, let's look at some of those challenges then. The first of those is starting. You've actually got to convince your board. You've actually got to talk to people 
your board has got to be con content that they're going to make an investment. This is a major investment. It's a new way of doing business. It is risky. You've got to keep your current business running, and yet you've got to provide space to, to recreate this new business. Easier for small and medium-sized enterprises. They can start this basically from scratch. They don't need to have all of this um, uh, element of um, building their data, looking at their data, looking at what software they got. They can really start. They're small. They can build a motivational workforce. But for bigger companies, this is a major investment, a major risk decision. And so starting is, is one of the biggest issues, getting over that hump uh, and that digital hump. And I would say, uh, and probably at the bottom, um, is continuing because it's a hard road. There are many digital humps. Uh, there are many things that you've got to look at. So uh, it will be continuing as well as starting, but starting is your first. Technology is a challenge. Well, why, why should technology be a challenge? Surely it's it's that's what's enabling you. Yeah, but it's got to be reliable. It's got to be always on. If your customer, your board, your your, um, uh, your your clients, your citizens have difficulty getting access to you, um, if they have to wait for long periods, um, then they will lose confidence. They will lose. They will go. They will go elsewhere. So yes, you've got to look at choosing uh, providers. You got to look at your strategy for outsourcing versus insourcing. Those are difficult decisions. Uh, then you've got to look at when you choose your supplier for outsourcing, because much of this now, the benefits of the technology, cloud, for instance, is you can scale and you need to be able to scale. You need to be able to scale for a sales promotion or for heaven's sake, a pandemic. You need to be able to scale and cloud gives you that scalability. But what you need is you need a provider who shares your values, who will work with you, who will uh, build upon uh, what you're trying to do uh, and is not just looking for, for cheap because cheap will mean you, you don't have the always on, the, the always capable, uh, the, the service levels that you need for your customers. The next is data. And this is this is the, the, the big elephant in the room. It's always all well and good saying, you know, we're going to become a data led. We're going to do AI. We're going to do uh, we're going to do machine learning. But your data is all kept in in stovepipes. I would I would guarantee your data is is in stovepipes. Your sales data, your marketing data, and you you've got to break down not just the data uh, stovepipes, but the stovepipes between the organisations, um, uh, as we'll come to in in culture. That doesn't mean that you have salespeople building your data centre, but it does mean that you get these multi-purpose teams. Uh, that are looking at business value and business solutions, but they have to be able to see the data. What I would say to you is don't start some major data normalization, some enormous data lake uh, project uh, with metadata and all sorts of other stuff. I know that's heresy, but if it takes you two to three years to do that, you're not delivering fast, you're not delivering at the speed of relevance, you will be left behind. So the big trick here is to look at your data, see what is key, build bridges between your data, get it to a place where you can apply AI and technology and machine learning to it. And then as you grow and you get better and you've got time, then you will grow out uh, into being able to access your data.
Now, the more data you have and the more elements you have, the more data you have on your supply chain, on your business, on your people, the more you've got governance issues around data governance, data protection. You've got to look at that. You've got to be mindful of that, particularly when dealing, as I said, so so closely with customers, with clients, uh, with the citizen. Um, and you've got to get that governance. You've got to get the governance of your change transformation right. There has to be governance. He, you know, Agile has governance. All businesses must have governance. This is not a wild west, but you've also got to allow disruption and innovation. So you've got to have a light form of governance which encourages that and doesn't stifle it. So governance is a challenge, keeping a level of governance, but then opening it up to go through. Then, of course, we have to come to cyber. The more that you open up your business to digital, the more that you open up to the citizen, to the workplace, the more you make yourself vulnerable to cyber and the cyber attack. And for heaven's sake, we've seen the attacks of ransomware and elements over the last few months, um, the profitability of that for, for cyber criminals, um, the advantage that other nations and nation states may have in destabilizing uh, our society and, and looking at that. So you've got to, as you build out, also build your cyber defenses. But that doesn't mean that you use cyber and that the threat of cyber stops you from doing business. You've got to have cyber resilience. You can't stop all of these things. What you have to be able to do is how to recover, how to recover quickly, how to be open with your customers and, and how to protect their data, your data, and being able to restore uh, services as quickly as possible rather than if you make it so that you're, you're, you're cyber proof, then you won't do business. So the challenge there again, as always, is, is to, to balance. The next issue then is skills, and we've talked a bit about skills, uh, the skills of your people, pulling out those soft skills, giving them the, the, the ability to, to have the time and the space to use their skills to be more customer centric, and I continue, you know, more customer centric in, in internal as well as external. Um, but it will be difficult for some of them. Some of them will feel they can't upskill. Some of them will feel they're being left behind. So that is a challenge. How are you going to deal with, with those? How are you going to run this skills program? Whilst, as I said, at the same time, you've still got to run your own business. Probably you're going to have somewhere in the region of 70% of your business is still going to be building the foundations for the future and keeping your business running. You're then going to have about 20% around experimentation and, and, and looking at business in the next perhaps 12 months. And then probably 10% in terms of disruption, looking at a, a team that is there, uh, really looking at innovating the business models and disrupting. So you've got to keep these all, all running at, at the same time. And that's a real challenge. Processes. So your processes, as I've said, you've got to start breaking down. They're not HR processes or sales processes or marketing processes. They're customer processes. Then what's the process? How do you enable your, your board to make better decisions? What are you going to put in front of them? What are the processes you need to get just the right information, just the right solution? Cut, cutting processes making automating out those pain points in 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 processes is absolutely crucial but not losing them because you still will need processes um, and you still will need people to actually uh, work to a set of processes 
but automate as much as you can um, uh, of those uh, ongoing processes, free up your workforce, as I say, reskill them to go forward. And then this is a cultural change. Let me say, oh yes, oh, yeah, we've all heard that. All change is cultural change. Well, you've got, you got to mean it this time. The, the business might always think, yes, we, we believe on the customer. And so many times I've heard people say, oh yes, no, 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 we're very customer centered. And he said, well, the customer doesn't understand your business, doesn't understand how you've organized to meet them. Isn't a one-stop shop, can't get to your business because you've set up processes to make your it's slick inside to cut your costs. Well, yes, that's how they get cheaper and better services. No, that's how they get cheap services, which is a poor customer experience and is not tailored to what they want to do. So your culture, your view has got to change absolutely dramatically. OK, so those are the challenges. I'm just about done. You'll be probably pleased to hear. So I want you to leave you with, as I've said, the three P's and my one C. So let's start at that to remember. The C is communication. That's got to be key. We will come back to that. My first P is people. People were your customers. My third P is P for people, your workforce. And my third P, is people, you and your leadership. So people, as I've said, your customers, you've got to be customer centric. This is what makes the difference. Really look at what the customer needs, really understand your customer, really use all that data about your customer to make clever decisions, to make future decisions, to really make AI, make you make better decisions about your customers. Your workforce, your people in your workforce, as I've said, absolutely crucial. This is not about how you get them to adopt new practices and new procedures. It's about how they lead new processes and practices, how they are absolutely committed to that business. When we look at what happened back then to, to the Second World War and the, and the Battle of Britain, yes, you trained the people to work in each of those areas, but you didn't have to embed those processes or embed that capability or make sure they didn't go back to the old ways of working. It was visceral. It was existential. They knew what they had to do, what they had to do to defend the country or to deliver. And they just did it. And you've got to get that motivational space. And then people with you and the leadership. This takes courage. It takes determination. It takes seeing things through. It's about learning and accepting that you will fail. Now, I sometimes laugh and people say when I, when I say, you know, the agile um, proposal, you know, fail small, fail fast, all well and good. At some point, I have to succeed big and we all have to succeed big, but we also must be prepared to fail. You've got to be prepared to let your people experiment and for those some of those experiments to fail, however you do it. It's a cultural change in your leadership. This is not about being a change champion. This is about being part of that workforce of change and being part of that delivery of change. Now, the only way you can do that, the only way you can bring all this through is through communication. I was privileged enough to go to a presentation once from, a, from an internet banking chief executive way back, 
way back when, when when internet banking first started. He said all change processes, he wasn't talking about digital change or digital transformation, we hadn't even thought about then. All changes, you know, you have to communicate. And communicate and communicate and communicate. When you think you've done enough communications, then you start to communicate. This is all around communication. So my three P's and a C, people, 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 and communication. It's about taking people on the journey of transformation. And at that point, I shall hand over for questions to Natasha, if we have any questions. Perfect, thank you, David. That was um, very interesting. And I, I love the three P's and the C. So I've, un, I've made everyone's mic available. So if anyone has any questions, either unmute yourself or please ask in the chat and can read them out. Natasha, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, it's Frankie, Frankie Jeffries. Um, what I would think people would struggle with is in an agile environment and you're encouraging innovation and creativity, um, what skills do you need that can support that environment? Because you're, you're asking for people to do new things, but it's a uh, they've still got to do business as usual. So I'm just interested to know what sort of person is the best to recruit for that sort of work. So that's interesting. Um, when you look at your workforce and you, you or even when you look at your leadership um, uh, and coming back to that, that whole communication thing and the people, um, don't think you've just got a single workforce. You've got to understand your workforce. You've got to understand the kind of people you you have. There will be varying types of people. There will be those that are really, really good at keeping the lights on, uh, really, really good uh, at customer service. They should be rewarded and taken to There are those who are who are always innovators, who want to be innovators, who want to change. Harness those. What what I've done in the past, I, I found relatively successful. What what other businesses have done is is to not necessarily some of them have done spin off companies, but to to have a, a, a an organisation where you can allow these people to flourish. Uh, frankly, without scaring everybody else in the business until um, you've got something that you can uh, roll out of, uh, and and then take through those that are less comfortable with those kind of um, elements. Uh, you you've got to do you've got to look at people's skills. You can't just say, oh, they're they're you know they're I don't, I don't want those kind of people anymore. Um, you've got a workforce. Uh, the real critical thing here is to bring all your workforce along because they'll all be important to you. Those people with soft skills as one of those with technical skills, and you'll find people who actually are, are great at business change or they're great at innovation. So look at your workforce work through your workforce don't don't think you've got to go and recruit in a whole pile of people you might you might want to bring in some disruptors but you've still got to as we've said deliver your business so uh, my understanding is is when we look at data understand the data of your people understand the skills they have and i mean deep understand the skills they have and then segment your workforce um, and then as part of digital transformation find those people with the skills we always also used to say find the change champions uh, in, in to an extent that's good but we've also got to find the skills champions those that have got those skills whether innate or whether they're, 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 that's where they go they might be in a completely wrong job move them that's fine so that'll be my advice 
Perfect. Hope that answers your question, Frankie. It does. Thank you very much. Perfect. Um, we have another question, David. So um, the question is, what are some instances that digital transformation might fail? What are the common roadblocks and barriers? So digital transformation, I, I, I talk through some of the challenges. Digital transformation um, fails often because um, boards want quick wins. They, 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 they expect, OK, but if I'm going to buy this digital stuff, you know, I, I want an immediate return on investment. And you'll go through, as I've said, you, you will meet failures. Um, and uh, having the courage, having the determination, people often fail because they don't, uh, they can't see it through. Um, and, and also a recognition that it's not a one-off. You know, this is, oh, I'll, I'll do digital transformation, I'm done. You know, when is digital transformation over? Well, it's like anything else with transformation. If you are reimagining your business models and you're always reimagining your business models, it's never done. It just continues. Technology will change. You've got to have that culture of continuous change. Now, as I said, I think a previous webinar over here, which says that you know, we've been changing as a species for six and a half million years. The human is actually conditioned to change. It's the speed that everything is happening at the moment, which is which is making people uncertain. So seeing it through, getting that cultural view uh, that says that this is something which culturally we always want to do. Always look. Companies should still be looking. Will I be relevant in 15 years time? Not where will my business be in 15 years time or 10 years time or five years? Will I actually still be relevant? And what have I got to do to be relevant? You see this with Google, with Netflix. Um, you know, these are the, you know, the darling children of, of uh, digital transformation. Netflix starts off as a, uh, as a rival to, to postal um, videos and DVDs. Uh, and now they're providing content. They've got AI to, to put it in front of you. Uh, Amazon looking at, at delivery by drone. This is always continuously looking. Google looking at how they can use quantum computing. Always looking at where you can be next. And it's that bringing that view of change. So first of all is that culture, is that leadership gets, gets tired. The second thing is not prepping really for the technology and the technology failing on you, and then you're losing your customer base um, because you're not servicing them now correctly. You move, you don't have that reliability, you don't have that always on, and you lose because you haven't spent enough time getting the foundational elements, your infrastructure, your cloud, you've skimped on it, uh, and so you, you, you don't go down that route. And for public sector, you know, frankly, as I've said, people want savings and they probably want savings quickly. If the savings don't occur, then they'll move on to the next um, uh, the next idea of how savings will come. And you've got to get your your board, your National Health Service Trust, your your um, your council to have belief and to be a leader in that. Perfect. Um, we have a, we have another question, David. Um, bit of a long one, so here we go. Um, so one observation. I would make from my experience, which may not apply to SMEs, is that existing leadership in mid to large organisations are typically good at operational excellence, but struggle with transformation. Is it the transformation side that these organisations can most benefit from bringing external expertise on board through NEDs and other consultants? Yeah, I think 
Yeah, it's a great consultancy question. Of course, the answer is yes. Um, but but I'm afraid the answer to an extent is also no, because um, if, if, if they are embedded in that in that way, then consultancy per se will just, uh, as we've seen with many transformations, the consultants start take over the transformation, not the board, not the leadership. They go, well, well we've given that to the to, to, to the consultants. Consultants, more, I would say, mentors, people who are actually going to make the leaders change rather than consultants that are going to make the business change because it's the leaders that have probably got to change. There's, there's a fabulous book called the, the, the Psychology of Military Incompetence. It's quite a, it's quite a heavy read, uh, but it was after the, the, the Second World War um, and it, it looked at uh, promotion in the like. And when a board gets to a stage where it's been promoting people from inside the business uh, and Marks and Spencer's went through this uh, a decade or so ago, sometimes you have to bring in disruptional leadership or sometimes you have to bring in disruptional juniors who you empower to disrupt. And that's why I said some companies, because they know their leadership won't do this, actually the chief executive just makes a spin-off company um, and then just allows it to go off and do because he knows he can't change the internal company. Um, and bit by bit, the company will change as the leadership changes. So, yep, you, you've probably got to bring in some kind of external disruptor or find which is one of the better ways, find your internal disruptors uh, and empower them um, to, to make that change. But be prepared to experiment, be prepared. And that's that's the bit about mentoring rather than don't give the change transformation to a bunch of consultants. Perfect, thank you. Any more questions from anybody? Either take yourself off mute or please feel free to put them in the chat. No, I think I think that's the questions all taken, David. Okay. If you'd like to just do the next slide, that'd be great. So, um, sort of next steps is if if anyone um, would like to book a free envisioning session with our experts, um, everyone who's who's registered for the webinar will entitled to a, a two-hour envisioning session with our experts. Please um, reply um, to the email that I've sent you this morning and we can get that booked in or you'll find a poll within the chat or on the screen that you can um, put your preference in. In the chat, there's a number of polls, uh, which gives us a lot of insight about, you know, how the industry or what the industry is doing in terms of digital transformation. So if you have time, please feel, feel please feel free to to answer the polls. But thank you ever so much, David. I've really, I've really enjoyed it and hopefully the audience have too. Um, Thank you all for joining. It's been it's been great to have you all here and to learn a little bit about um, your businesses. Um, so great. Thank you very much for joining and have a good day. Take care. Thank you.